thing. Hi, James. Hi, Christina. Okay, James says, first time here, looking forward to this. Me too. Um, welcome. Welcome to James and to everybody who's here for the first time. Welcome uh, back to people who have participated in the um, February self-love sessions before. Hi, Lorelei. Lorelei is one of the people who, who and Gabriel, who um, are the regulars. Hi, guys. So good to see you back. Um, for those of you who are here for the first time, just a quick explanation on the format of this. So I'm not going to do an extensive um, intro about myself because the purpose of these sessions is for them to be short and sweet and to the point. So if you're interested um, in what I do and um, what I teach, um, you can look me up. My name is Laura Nagel, either here on Instagram or on my website. Now about these uh, sessions. So the new format that I adapted starting in January is we meet up three times a week uh, at 7 p.m. for 20, 25 minutes. And I give you basically the essence of what you need to know about the topic. And then we have a Q&A session at the end. So this is the format. Now let's get right into it. Today we're talking about imposter syndrome. And I usually don't start off with questions. That's actually quite rare, especially for, for, for this short format. But I'm very curious and I really want to know, when does the imposter syndrome pop up for you the most or what is it or which area of life do you feel is the strongest or which area of your life the imposter syndrome in that area of your life brought you maybe to this webinar today um in essence my question is why are you here <laughs> if you want to share that in the comment um, that would be great. We don't have many people on the live today, so it's a very intimate um, session, a very small group, so we can we can feel safe here. Um, James says, when interacting with people more senior than me at work, usually in different department, field of work. Yes, gotcha. I mean, the professional context is something that comes up very often um, for people for um, across you know regardless of of the gender and and where they work and where they live uh, professional context is one of the most common ones anything else anybody wants to share by the way if there is some echo uh, or if the sound is funny, that's because I'm moving and this is the only bit that uh, that I'm taking with me to my new flat. Everything else I got rid of already. So I'm sitting in a basically empty room with just a table and this little bit. So this is why the sound might be a bit different. Anyway, uh, we have a few more people joining. So maybe let me repeat the question. We're starting off with the question today. Um, when does imposter syndrome pop up for you? In which area of life do you feel like you need to battle the imposter syndrome the most? This is the question from me to you guys. And the task is, or the invitation is to post it in the comments. Gabriel says, when I'm supposed to be expert at work, when interacting uh, with juniors, actually. Also socially, when I feel like I stand out as the odd one in the group. Okay, the, the first one, totally get it. Again, the professional context. Uh, we will be talking about that today. Um, so do stay tuned. Uh, the other one I think is very interesting. Also, uh, when I feel like I stand out when the when I'm the odd one in the group. Um, 
I'm not sure that's imposter syndrome, but I'm open to discussion as always. So we will have Q&A towards the end of this session and uh, we can definitely explore it then. Now, um, if there are any more comments or reflections that you want to share, please do keep posting and I will just um, get back to it towards the end of the session. Now I will dive into today's topic and share the actual knowledge with you. So the way I decided to approach today's session is to talk about the two most common sources of imposter syndrome, how to recognize them, how they show up in um in our life how and 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 to give you examples of the thoughts that you might be having or um or or behaviors that you might be uh showing and how to stop or how to change and how to deal with these behaviors with that imposter syndrome in that particular area so um I don't have to give you the the definition of imposter syndrome. If you're here, you know what it is. It's the feeling of not deserving something, of not being good enough, of feeling like a fake, like a phony, like someone who is somewhere they shouldn't be. They're not supposed to be. Um, And the way... Okay, Gabriel says, sorry, just before we get into it, Gabriel says, I meant that as the I don't belong here sense. Yes, that makes sense. That is imposter syndrome. That's exactly just what I said uh, with the definition. So you hit the nail on the head and that was the perfect time for the message. So yes, that is imposter syndrome. Uh, so we will cover that in the uh, in the second source. So I have two main sources. and um, But as a general rule, imposter syndrome is the result of lack of self love because self-love um the way i define it and if you've been to any of my sessions you will know that um self-love and self-confidence are sometimes used interchangeably i don't agree with it i see self-confidence as the belief that we have in what we can achieve and so confidence is more um is more oriented externally towards the things we can do and we can achieve and and the belief we can do it and self love is 100% internal it's about the belief in things we think we can have and we deserve to have so self love is basically our sense of worthiness um and our self image and this is why this is what i mean when i say and i just thought it would be useful to give you that um to give you that definition of what self love is because then it makes sense when i say imposter syndrome is the result of lack of self love because if we don't believe we are worthy of of success professionally of having a great group of friends of um of living in abundance or having a great family i mean you can insert whatever it is that you want whatever it is uh, that the area that you struggle with um the imposter syndrome is um self-love will be at the source of that because essentially you believe you don't deserve it now the reasons why you think that might be different and this is something i want to explore now so like i said there are two main reasons um and this is based on obviously my education in psychology but also my work with clients and um the first one is perfectionism so If your imposter syndrome comes from perfectionism, the thoughts that and the behaviors that you might show might be micromanaging tendencies. Um, Having the mentality of, 
I do it best or I need to do it myself for it to be done well, which often leads to to micromanagement, to struggling with delegation, um, which obviously then, you know, causes a whole range of issues, especially at a workplace, but also but also in life. Um, so micromanagement, um, shying away from applying for a job or taking on a project unless we believe we are 101% um, competent to do it. And this is very often something that stops people who, I don't want to say suffer from perfectionism, although I'm quite close to putting it that way because, um, and I did a whole episode on why perfectionism is not this great thing. Today's society is making it out to be on my podcast, Best Life Now. Um, it's it's your best life now. It's available um, on all the on all the podcast platforms. So do check it out if you if you're interested. But um, where I'm going with this is that um, perfectionism and expecting perfection and being at a hundred percent a hundred percent of the time um, is something that very often stops us from taking action. And this example of not applying for a job until I feel I'm almost overqualified, until I tick every single box on the job description, is actually something that holds us back from moving forward. That mentality of I need to do it myself for it to be done well is super exhaustive. This is what makes our progress um, unsustainable. Because you're not able to, and especially in corporate structures, and let's be honest, most people work in corporate structures. So it's very difficult for you to, basically what you're doing is you're putting the responsibility of doing the work for a number of people on one person, on yourself. That's obviously not going to work long term because you're either going to burn out or you're going to slip. Um, and then, and then that's going to bring down, not only because, you know, what you're doing is coming from self-love, which is not at the high level, but when you slip, it's also going to bring your confidence down because then you're going to think, oh, not only am I not perfect, I can't even get things across the line, you know, like, or whatever it is, I'm messing up. So it's not just that I'm average, I'm actually bad. Um... And this is why perfectionism is a threat, not only for our self-love, but also for our self-confidence. Um, and that's the side of perfectionism people don't talk about enough or at all in the mainstream. Um, because, you know, it, it, the stereotype is that this is, this is the perfect answer uh, at a job interview. What is your uh, biggest weakness? You say perfectionism. That's not, or, or workaholism. Um, these are, first of all, not good answers. Um, they're very fake. But uh, also, these are not beneficial behaviors, neither for you or your employer. So anyway, but I'm kind of, I'm going on a tangent here. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm meaning to do. I feel like this session is going to be slightly longer just because it's such a complex topic. I'll try to be as condensed with how I give that knowledge to you as I can though. So yes, yeah, so as I was saying, so that I can do it, I, I need to do it um, for it to be done well. I'm not going to apply for something or take something on until I feel I'm basically overqualified and um, maybe constantly seeking for, you know, um, edu like additional education, additional qualifications, additional training opportunities, certifications, even though you've been in your role for a long time, you might be feeling like you still don't know enough for what your title would suggest. Hence why you're looking constantly for these certifications um, and these upgrades. And one that's connected to that is um, you feel uneasy when someone says you're an expert at something because that puts pressure of you on you to be um, 
to be even more perfect than you're already expecting from yourself. So this is something that very often um, gives you that feeling of anxiety. And um, all of these behaviors, if you identified uh, yourself in at least one of these behaviors, then your imposter syndrome is probably coming from perfectionism. Now, how can you deal with these behaviors? What are the small things you can do to um, give yourself some sort of relief from that? Mm. I will share with you a few reframes that you can do with your thinking and a few perspective shifts that should make it easier um, moving forward and especially in the professional context. So the first one that is very, very powerful and that I love and that helps me so much to this day because I am a recovering perfectionist and that's something that was you know, I mean, it still is, per, per, I would say perfectionism is almost like an addiction, like it's just a certain way of thinking and you need to be constantly aware of it and course correct it when needed. But um, something that I always tell myself is when, uh, when I get into that loop of it needs to be done perfectly or not at all. I tell myself that done is better than perfect because sometimes I would procrastinate and I you know and I like I said I still have this tendency it's just in me but the thing is I'm aware of it now and I'm using the tools I'm, I'm sharing with you today to bring myself back to a more balanced state and to ground myself and to adjust my perspective so um when I notice that I'm taking so long to make something started, to get something started because, you know, I don't feel 100% mentally or I feel like I'm just not ready to give it my all that day or I need to do more research, I need to do more this and I need to do more that and then, you know, the, the sky is too cloudy and <laughs> the temperature is just not right. Um, I always go back to done is better than perfect and I can always, you know, revisit it and I can always improve it, but at least it's there. It, this is what makes the progress happen. So this is how you deal with the blockage that perfectionism causes, which is, you know, I need to prepare better before I do it, before I apply for that job. And it's the same with, um, with the examples that I gave with um, taking on different projects, applying for jobs, worst case scenario, you just get rejected. It's fine. It's not like someone's running an archive of all the jobs you apply to and, you know, um, and then publishes it somewhere with a big massive failure right next to your name. So give it a try. Done is better than perfect. So even if your CV is not the most beautiful document ever created, still do share it, do send it. Even if your application is not the most amazing essay you could have written and you know that you can write, um, send it still because done is better than perfect. And the chances are, if you are a perfectionist, you're probably doing most than the average already. So even if it's an 80% by your standards, it's still 110% by someone else's standards. So just do it. Um, and then if, it, if you find it difficult to actually get yourself to, you know, click send or whatever, um, think about it that you can always go back. I mean, not always, but in most cases, you can um, go back and refine it if you feel like it. But the truth is, in most cases, you just, you just get the thing over the line and then there's no need. So um, that's another thing. You just save time. But the biggest thing is you keep it moving. So that's one thing. Another thing I just mentioned as well, um, what perfect means, what great means is very relative. Quality is relative. We all have different standards. So the only person that needs to be happy with your work is you. And if you think your work is acceptable, 
um, unless you get negative feedback from, you know, your manager, your mentor, people around you, just keep going and don't try to pay to pay too much attention to those details, to overthinking, is overthinking, is it perfect enough? Is it great in everybody else's eyes? Um, you need to trust yourself and focus on that. Done is better than perfect. So um, these are the reframes for perfectionism. Now let's keep on moving. By the way, question, do I, because this is obviously one of the two um, most common sources of imposter syndrome, I'm aware we are um, at 22 past seven. So when this session was supposed to end, are you guys happy to stay for the next 15, 20 minutes for me to do the other part? Or should I do a follow-up session next week, for example. Because the point of these is, and I know that, you know, people struggle to commit their time. Uh, like an hour of your life is a lot when you compare it to 20 minutes. And these sessions are for you. So do we stay? Do we do a follow-up? Mm. James says he needs to drop. Lorelai uh, says she can stay. Okay, I think the majority of voices is to stay. Okay, James, you can catch up the session. Um, you can catch the session in full on my Instagram uh, profile. I'm going to save this session, but you can also listen to it on my podcast. I know those of you who come here regularly are probably sick of hearing it, but uh, for those of you who are new here, make sure to check out my podcast, Your Best Life Now. Uh, and I upload all of, the, all of these sessions, but I also upload bonus content that doesn't um, go out here on Instagram at all. Um, and that's also about self-love and relationship with yourself and all of that good stuff. So um, if this session is helpful, make sure to follow, to follow the podcast and um, get even more benefits. Uh, follow and review five stars if you if you feel like the content resonates that helps me reach even more people and that shouldn't take more than a few minutes on your end a few seconds on your end sorry anyway going back to the regular programming um, so part number two the second source of um, imposter syndrome is mm, more complex because it's the fear of not being good enough and when I say it's more complex I mean it can be different things for different people so let me list a few a few behaviors they're not um they vary they're not they're not they're not similar just like in perfectionism you could kind of see a trend with feeling of being and the fear of not being good enough um you have a whole range so if you didn't identify yourself in perfectionism you're probably suffering from the fear of not being good enough and how does that show up in our life um how to recognize it how it affects our life and how to reframe it um Behavior number one is the feeling of not deserving your title at work, not deserving the things you have in life, maybe the partner, maybe the family, maybe the nice house, feeling like a fraud, basically, like someone who um, just got lucky in life but doesn't deserve it, um, didn't, didn't put into work themselves, um, when you feel like you're basically, you know, faking it. Um, the second one is the need to be the best always. So you could connect it to perfectionism a little bit, but this is not about, perfectionism is about setting high standards for yourself, right? What I mean here is that it's the need to 
be the best out of the group so and um people that often suffer from it are the people who were the straight a students um who were maybe the oldest children or the youngest children where a lot of attention and pressure was put on them to perform and to be the best to bring achievements um so that the parents can be proud and this way of thinking remains of I need to be the best because that makes me worthy of affection, of attention, of all the good stuff I was getting from my parents as a child for that golden star, for that A+, you know? Um, another behavior is being ashamed of setbacks or failures so not talking about them trying to maybe avoid them at all costs and this is a big one actually when we are avoiding challenges from the fear of not being amazing at something of people seeing that you know it's not that whatever we touch turns to gold and that we're great at anything that we do um if you feel this is a if you if you if you feel like this is you this is the fear of not being good enough um and obviously it's it's affecting your life in so many ways it's limiting you in so many ways because if you care about your image so much of someone who can do everything um that limits your options but that also um it's almost like a, like a like a self perpetuating um cycle you know because uh you have this expectation of being an expert at everything so but you know you're not because no one can be because we're all human and then you don't want anyone to find out so you're not doing certain things so this is the limitation and um and then, and then you feel like a fraud because you're trying to convince people and yourself you can do everything, but the reality is um, that you can't because you're a human being. So uh, it's very important to break that cycle. Um, how to do it, we'll talk in a minute. Uh, let's just finish listing all of the behaviors that you can, um, from which you can recognize that you might be struggling with the fear of not being good enough. Um, another one is feeling like only things that you achieve alone matter. Meaning, um, when I say alone, I mean on your own, without additional help, without not in a team. Uh, you're not really a team player because you need all of your achievements to be your own. Um, again, if you care so much about the credit, the question should be <clears throat> why? So um, paying that much attention about, uh, paying that much attention to um, how people perceive you, to making sure that people know that you achieved things um, is definitely a sign you struggle with not being good enough. Um, and the last one is, um, and I and I saved it for last because it's, it's such a big thing and it affects your life in such a big way. Um, obsession with productivity. The way of thinking that relax is a waste of time. And that is very harmful because, I mean, obviously being obsessed with productivity, any type of obsession is not good. But when you're constantly thinking about if what you're doing is productive if what you're doing is giving any type of result or if it's being um if it's basically adding something to your life if you're producing something all the time it will drive you crazy um and also this is mentally exhausting this is what causes a burnout this is what um, causes depression. This is what brings our confidence down. It's very similar to that perfection bit where I said, um, if you want to do um, a job that is meant like an amount of work that is meant for a number of people, you will eventually slip because that's just 
unavoidable or you will burn out completely. It's the same with the productivity with obsession, uh, with the obsession um, on productivity. If you don't give yourself space to relax, you will burn out all you were, or you will drive yourself crazy. You will be unhappy, always tired, not productive, and that will even further bring your, so your self-love is already down, but your self-confidence will be dropping even lower, um, or also low, even though right now it might be at quite a good level. Um, so this is why it's important. And you know, this is something that like these two are very often interconnected. Um, the last one, the obsession with productivity, seeing relax, um, seeing downtime as wasteful, um, is, is something that a lot of my clients face, something that I used to face myself and still do sometimes. Uh, because again, perfectionism and um, it's just a certain way of thinking and all of these behaviors are just ways of thinking, are, are programming that we often um, get as children. So it's difficult to undo completely, but it's something that we can be mindful of and um, kind of switch it off on a daily basis if we're mindful about it. Um, so the first reframe that I want to offer here is seeing relax and downtime as part of the task, as part of the process, as a necessary um, step to make the process sustainable. Because if you don't um, give your brain the the time and space to recover um it won't be as productive so even if you feel like relaxing is a waste of time having a good um, number of hours of sleep is a waste of time if you feel like watching a film or going out for a walk is a waste of time um think about it from that perspective from the perspective of if i don't do these things um and I can not do them for a few weeks, I will get to a moment of a breakdown where I won't be able to do anything for a few days. So when you summarize it all together, giving yourself, you know, an hour or two every day just for yourself is actually more efficient and costs you uh, less time-wise um, in terms of the, you know, the results that you will, that you will achieve. And trust me, this is tried and tested <laughs> by myself, uh, on my own for a very long time, um, of trial and error. And yeah, I, you know, I could go on and I'm sure a lot of you here, if you're here, we are probably very similar. We could go on, you know, working day and night for weeks, but then there comes a point where you're so burnt out, you just can't do anything. You just want to sleep or you feel sick. That's another interesting thing. I don't want to get into it now, but uh, this is basically my body's reaction. When I'm, when I'm burnt out, my body will just shut down and it will make me sick. I will have temperature. I will just, I won't be able to exist uh, normally. So... Uh, so seeing relaxation as part of the task. Another reframe and another shift that I want you to apply is that um, failures are not only normal, they're desired. Because without failures, there's no progress. There's no learning. If, um, even, even if you could just, you know, slide through life without people knowing you did something wrong and you knowing you did something wrong, um, that is not a good option because you're missing out. That is not beneficial. Despite, you know, it seeming very great because, I mean, a laugh without failure sounds amazing, right? Wrong, because this is actually what slows down your progress. Um, you learn the most from your failures. A, because they're not, it's not a pleasant feeling to fail, especially if you're a perfectionist or someone who's struggling with that feeling of worthiness and being good enough. Um, 
B, because you need to analyze the situation and take out the, the learning. And C, our ego does not like other people to know um, we're, not, we're not flawless. So, but, but exactly for these three reasons I just listed, um, failure is so, so valuable to us because it's basically shaping our character. Like you need to get over your ego um, to be able to truly accept and benefit from a failure. So um, it shapes our character, it makes us grow as professionals or, or as people. Um, failures are good all round. They're not a nice feeling, but they are the quickest way to grow. And that's how I want you to look at failures moving on. And whenever something happens that is not exactly how you planned it, just look at it as a learning opportunity. Like what is the learning here? How am I using it to my advantage? So next and also next time when you are about to turn down a challenge or an opportunity because you don't feel like you're qualified enough because you don't tick all of the boxes, only 90% of them, think to yourself and tell yourself with conviction, um, that's okay, I'll go for it. And if I fail, I'll learn, I'll go for it. And if I succeed, I'll be so much further in life. So either way, I win. And... Um, this is it that I had for today. So yes, like I said, it was a bit lengthy, um, but I felt like it needed to be covered in a little bit more detail. Um, I hope this was helpful. And now is the time for, uh, for the questions. So if you have any questions, any reflections, um, anything you wanna share at all, now is the time to post it in the comments. I can see there are some comments already, so let me dive right into it. Actually, before I do, uh, let me just remind you that tomorrow we are talking about boundaries and assertiveness. So we're meeting tomorrow at 7 p.m. as well. Uh, and yeah, as always, all the sessions are recorded and saved here on Instagram and on my podcast, Your Best Life Now. And now, without... <laughs> further ads, uh, let's get into the comments. Um, do you think perfectionism is linked to neurodivergence? Um, I don't have, I don't have an opinion on that. Um, I, I don't see myself as an expert on that. So I don't feel comfortable, um, speaking on it, like neurodivergence. I do work with neurodivergent clients, um, but this is in a different context, right? They don't come to me specifically, like they, they still come to me for um, coaching related uh, work, meaning career, relationships, um, dating, confidence, you know, I don't know, weight loss, just personal development as a whole, um, but not for that specifically. So I wouldn't feel comfortable um, creating those things, especially that I have no science to, to, to back it up with. Um, Gabriel says, speaking from someone who was clinically burned out, avoided all costs, recovering takes so long and is awful. Yes, preach. I mean, I agree 100%. Um, we all have our different ways of, um, well, approaching the point of burnout because other things makes us burn out. And that's because, you know, we all work differently as humans. So the, um, so the behaviors that I listed today are, um, I try to look for ones that are the most common so that they're good examples to explain the rule, but obviously we are all unique as humans. So uh, anyway, where I'm going with this is that for some people, it takes a long time to approach the point of burnout, but then when they do, it's just 
it's a it's a the hole is so deep it's very difficult to get out of it some people are more cyclical um but either way it's a very tough position to be in which is why using that reframe of relaxing and you know downtime is actually part of the task and part of the process of you know succeeding at life uh, is a much more beneficial approach and if you experienced serious burnout at least once um, if you use that mindset shift of this is part of the task plus the memory of what it's like to be burnt out it's usually a very potent combination to keep you going um right you're awesome thank you how to how do we get rid of the inner critic that keeps saying you can do better and that is all you could do or is that all you could do you are better to strive more oh if i could answer this one <laughs> in a few sentences um life would be well life world would be a much better place um that's that's you just described basically a struggle of every perfectionist and also the majority of people who um don't feel good enough because the thing is People who struggle with imposter syndrome um, are people who have extremely high standards. And this affects many areas of our life. Um, the, you know, imposter syndrome is just one of the symptoms, really. Um, so I would have to talk for hours to explain how, how to get rid of that. But what I can direct you towards is, um, because I did an episode on perfectionism specifically, because what you're describing is the per perfectionistic way of thinking. So I go into more detail, um, in terms of perfectionist perfectionism on my podcast um so you might want to look me up uh, my name is laura nagel the name of the podcast is your best life now i know i'm saying it a hundred times now but this is this is this is this is where the knowledge is at um it's like 20 something minutes um about perfectionism specifically so that should help in switching off that voice that you're talking about you need to do better. Is that all you can do? You should be striving for more. Um, you're settling, you're being lazy, etc., etc. So, uh, yeah, the episode is called, uh, why perfectionism is not the great thing the society has made us, uh, has made it out to be, I think. Um, right. Anything else? Um, anybody wants to, to ask, to share? To reflect on before we go i'm glad that still quite a few um quite a, quite 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 a few have decided to stay and that we're all still here um it's uh it's nice to hang out i do enjoy these instagram hangouts and also working with people one to one like i'm just i'm all about I'm all about working with people. I am, um, I'm aware that some of you, I work one-on-one -on -one as well. So don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah. Uh, how does one calm the nerves when faced with rejection? Um, that's a question for a completely different uh, series. Um... I'm trying to think how to, if, if I can answer this quickly. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I, I don't think I can. There are lots of sessions, especially in terms of dating, because I'm assuming this is what you mean, where I cover this. Um, in a nutshell, and then what I say now applies both to dating, but also to professional opportunities and just opportunities in general, uh, is that rejection is just redirection. And the way I see it is if it's a no from that 
employer from that date. It just means there's something, the compatibility just wasn't there. And then there's something else later down the line. And um, Gabriel says rejection from friends is the hard one for me. Um, I would say rejection. And obviously, you know, this is subjective. We all have... Um, we all have different priorities, right? So for some people, work rejection is the biggest thing. For some people, dating. And for some people, it will be friends. Um, so I would say that rejection hurts the same, all types of rejection, because basically rejection is someone saying, I'm not interested in what you have to offer, right? Um so this is just all about understanding that um, everything in life is about compatibility. And, and, and the example that I like to use or the metaphor is that, you know, um, job search is kind of like marketing ourselves um, to the potential employers, right? Dating is like marketing ourselves to potential partners. And just like with all type of all types of marketing, um, you can have the best product, but if you market it to the wrong audience, no one's gonna buy it, you know? Like, um, I don't know, like for example, gardening tools. If you if you promote gardening tools to um, teenagers, I don't think you will get many sales and your product might be brilliant, but uh, they're just not the target audience. And this is exactly how I look at rejection. They were just not my target audience. That's fine. I'm an amazing product. So I'll just focus on finding the right market for me. And that market will love it. That market will pay, you know, hundreds and thousands to, um, I mean, obviously money is kind of uh, just a met just, just, just metaphorical here, but because with friends, with, with partners, it's, um, it's often energetical, right? But these are the people who will want to hang out with me because they are the target audience. And um, it's the same with, with workplaces. Um, it's all about the compatibility. One thing is the skill set. Another thing is who we are as people. And especially in um, when you get to a certain level of seniority, what happens is, um, obviously, they do the initial kind of, you know, check of your competence, uh, of your, like, of your qualifications and, how, and if you're competent for the job, if you have what it takes. But then the final steps are very often about matching the vibe. And that's the frustrating part because obviously you want to get the good job, but um, they might still say no, even though you tick all of their boxes. And this is the type of rejection that is difficult to, to accept because you feel like, and you know, again, they're all kind of the same. If you get rejected by someone who you feel you're like, you know, you have a great potential for friendship or for a relationship, it always hurts. But, um, and it's, let's be honest, it's a kick to our ego. But remembering that they're just not your target audience and the world is so big and there are so many different audiences really helps to move on from that rejection. Um, does that help? I feel like it took me like five minutes to answer that one, but uh, that's how I would approach rejection. Thanks, Ali, for the follow. Um, I hope you enjoy the content both here on Instagram and on Spotify. Um, okay, we've got another comment. So essentially, it's to boost up the resilience and confidence within one, oneself. But it's too difficult for someone who has a condition of RSD, side effects of ADHD or ADD, not sure. Um, I'm not sure what RSD is. So <laughs> I, again... Um, I can't answer that one or like speak to that one because that's 
that's your comment back, which I appreciate. Um, I'm actually thinking about creating another format where people can join for like maybe a question, um, you know, where like you will join live on camera with me, ask me a question and this will be our hangout. I'm just... Um, Ah, rejection sensitive dysphoria. I'm not familiar with the term, so let me look it up. Um, maybe I'll do a separate session around rejection and then and then we can have a proper discussion about it. But um, yeah, I, I'm thinking about having a live Q&A session where people just join with their cameras and, uh, and ask me questions. Uh, would you be interested in that? Would you join if I organized it? Or do you feel like these sessions, which have like particular topics, are enough? Um, I'm just playing with it, to be honest. I'm just having fun. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's fun for me, but I also want it to be fun and enjoyable and, and educational for you as well. So it's kind of like, what we're doing now is kind of like an extra hangout after hours after the session. Uh, rejection sounds like a great topic and if you can also do shame. Okay, so Ali, for that, um, rejection I've not included, but there is a session on releasing shame and guilt. And let me tell you when that session is um, taking place because I, so basically what I do is I schedule all the sessions at the beginning of the month. Um, so for February, you can look up all the sessions and turn on notifications for each of the sessions. Um, on my profile, you can find them in the highlight called um, Self Love February, and all of them will be listed and there are notifications. So you can just click and turn the, turn the notification when the session starts. But anyway, going back to releasing shame and guilt, this session is on the 23rd of February. So it's not tomorrow, it's, um, it's next February, basically. Uh, next February, it's next Friday. Uh, this is when we will be talking about um, shame and guilt, letting go of that, letting go of the past, um, and not letting that affect your future, basically. Um, great. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Um, I hope to see you tomorrow at 7 p.m. We will be talking about boundaries and, um, and assertiveness. So if you're interested in that, I will see you tomorrow, 7 p.m. Thanks. Have a good evening.